From the Rodney Kiefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Cronin talks to us about what to focus on if you find yourself as the first strength and conditioning coach at your school, how a brief stint in the private sector provided a great experience in management and logistics, and some perspective on how to go about finding context for things you see online. All this in another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Kevin Cronin. He is currently the head sports performance coach at UMass Lowell. Prior to this, he was the head strength and conditioning coach at Colorado College. He's also had stops at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning, the NSEA, Western Washington University, Stanford, and the University of Texas. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Sure thing. Could you tell me a little bit more about your role at UMass Lowell? So I think we do have a pretty interesting situation here. Um, I am one of three head sport performance coaches. So Keith Fincy and Marcus Williams are also head sport performance coaches. Uh, Keith, Keith Vinci oversees pretty much the whole department. So he's like the associate athletic director for sport performance, uh, mainly as men's hoops and then a few other sports. And then Marcus Williams has women's hoops and then a few other sports. And then I have ice hockey and have taken on a few other sports. So there's sort of three of us. Um, COVID hit us kind of hard from a staffing perspective. We used to have the assistance that we no longer have. So we're kind of functioning with the three of us and then some uh, fellows from Merrimack College. So yeah, I oversee ice hockey. I also have women's soccer and track and field. Absolutely. And could you tell us a little bit more about how you prepare your hockey athlete? I know it's a little bit different than 
our field sports and the challenge of having your athletes on ice and uh, a whole bunch of just different movement patterns that we normally see with our running sports. So could you tell us a little bit more about how you go about preparing them? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think for me, hockey is kind of the, the catch all from like an injury management standpoint. Like it's a sport where you have to worry about concussions. So neck training and vestibular stuff is huge. You also have to worry about shoulder health because they're going 22 miles an hour into each other and into boards need to worry about elbows, need to worry about wrists, need to worry about like the hip complex, hip flexors, groins, you know, and then you even slide down the chain a little knees and ankles. So I I think for me, when, when I think about training a hockey player, like it starts with what things can we do to minimize the chance of them getting hurt, you know? So I think, you know, you take anything that you do with overhead athletes, like that stuff that we do, you take some stuff that you do with men's lacrosse, or football from like a neck training perspective, like we do it, you know, we do a lot of knee rehab, we do a lot of hip prehab stuff. So, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily train them any differently than like court based or field based sports. It's just, you know, I think we have to worry about a lot of things from an injury management standpoint. Gotcha. And what's the type of culture that you have on that team or that you try to establish with that team? I know hockey athletes, have a lot of you know rituals and, and some superstitions i wouldn't say maybe more than any other one but there are they are pronounced so is there any way specifically that you go about building the culture with the weight room you know when i was at colorado college things are definitely different here than there you know like with the rink at colorado college being off-site like i didn't get to see the guys as much for like pre-game practice routines or, or pre-game routines but at Lowell, like I see our guys every day in every facet of their training here. So, I mean, I, I think I had to remind myself early on last year, how superstitious they are. Like there were days where I would, you know, throw a curveball on a Thursday for a warm up, and you'd have an older guy saying that, Hey man, like, don't, don't do that. And it's, so it's, it's stuff like that. You know, we're, we're sort of, I mean, we're in the first, we just finished our first game. So last week was kind of a a weird week for us because we had some COVID stuff going on. So we started on a Tuesday and um, so guys will start settling into their routines a little bit, but it's still kind of that they're not as superstitious this time of year, just because it's still pretty early, but uh, no, it's interesting. And, And I think the more you get to know each guy's routine, the more you can kind of cater to, what they need from you on game days. Like we have a kid that doesn't talk to anybody on game days. It took me a couple of weeks last year to realize that he didn't want to talk to me on a game day. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's just important to remember them and, and sort of like aid in normalcy, right? Like continuing to do the same thing. So it doesn't freak them out. And then in the same breath, like helping if you're part of the superstition, you know, we have another kid who, used to play rock, rock, paper, scissors during on ice warmup with the previous equipment manager. So he like tried to get us into it and it, it just like didn't happen, you know? So, um, if you've been asked to participate in one of them, do it, but no, it's a, it's an interesting group for sure. Uh, absolutely. And could you talk a little bit more about 
when you first got to UMass Lowell and what it was like establishing, an, I guess, a new culture. I know coaches on this that's listening to this podcast will eventually run into a situation where you're the head strength coach at one place and then you go become the head strength coach at a new place. And with that, there's definitely some challenges that you'll face and like rules and procedures that you try to establish and, and amongst the culture that you're bringing there. Can you talk a little bit more about some of those challenges that you saw when you first got to UMass Lowell? Yeah, you know, I, I think I was extremely fortunate uh, Devin McConnell was sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in now before me. And, you know, I think Devin did a really, really, really good job here. Um, so I, I think not to say that it was like easy, but I sort of, I mean, I've known Devin for a long time. Like he does a pretty good job of putting stuff out on social media. So I sort of had an idea of what went on here, you know, so I, I wasn't like super in the dark when I showed up. Um, you know, I talked to a few friends of mine that were kind of at the pro level at the time, uh, Casey Bond with the Avalanche and Eric Renegan, who was with the Blues, and just kind of said, hey, like, what do you guys think? You know, I was kind of an army of one at Colorado College, and we used to just drop the hammer on kids. Like, if you're an 18-year-old freshman and you disrespected the weight room, like, we just sent you home. At Lowell, it's like we have – we don't have any 18 year old kids on our team. We have one 19 year old and we have two 24 year olds. It's just a different group of kids. So I, my first year, I really kind of had to like take a step back, get a feel for who these guys were and, and what potentially helped them function at a high level. And um, I wasn't as rah rah last year as I typically am. You know, I had to be a little bit more reserved just cause I think some of the tactics I used at Colorado college were like a little bit immature, like no offense to those kids there, but they were younger and they just responded to things differently. So some of the stuff I tried here early on, um, you get a couple eye rolls, you know, you get the 24 year old senior who is in his last college season and you're the new guy and you, he's had another guy for three years before him and or before me and, you know, you say something and you see kind of a weird look in the back and, you know, it, it just, it was great because Devin did a good job laying the foundation, but I, I you mean, I really had to take some time to figure out how my personality was going to work here. Um, I would say this year, things have, I've been a little bit more like myself, like you've, you and I have known each other for a while. Like pretty high energy dude. Like I love what I do and I like chopping it up with guys and like, if something's good in the weight room, like I'm going to get excited about it. And I think our guys now are a little bit more comfortable with me and just who I am every day, like being consistent and bringing good levels of energy. And, um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't say we're doing anything crazy from a culture perspective. I think we're just kind of building on, you know, Devin, Devin laid the foundation of this place and I'm like putting up some walls, you know, or maybe, and built the house and I'm just like sweeping, sweeping the floors and taking out the trash. Uh, no, like they, it's a great group of kids. Like our coaches do a phenomenal job recruiting. Um, I mean, I can honestly sit here and say like, we don't have any kids that are like not great. Like we have good kids here. So, um, you know, I think, I think the big thing I took away from the whole experience was like, don't come in swinging the same stick you had at the school before you or before you got to your new spot. Like 
put the old, put the stick in the closet and like figure out a way to, to create a new stick to swing. Cause it's, I mean, it'll work in certain aspects, but like, it won't work at all. You know, like I, I think some of those guys at the power five level that move around football wise, like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, you know? And, and I think that, you know, it's like, if you're a, if you're an offensive coordinator at the college football level, like you need to create a system around your assets, right? You don't just say, Hey, this is our system and this is how we're going to do it. You know what I mean? So I, I think for me, I kind of take that and say, Hey, here are our guys. This is me. Like, what are we going to do to get these guys to like head in the direction that we want and, and make sure it's positive and make sure that you're not like getting in the way of leadership. You know, if you got kids on the team that, that are good leaders, like let them lead, you know? So I know that was sort of rambling, but, but yeah, no, Devin McConnell was huge. Our coaching staff's huge. Our kids are great. So yeah, just like sweeping the floors and taking the trash out, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And at Colorado college, you had said you're a one man show and now you are one of three head sports performance coaches how has your programming changed knowing that it's you and just a few teams versus you and all the teams? You know, I would say we're interesting situation here. Um, our hockey rink is sort of, it's not off campus, it's on campus, but it's just like away from the main athletic department. So I'm sitting in a weight room right now that only has ice hockey. So we don't train anybody else in this facility. So I have to go to the other facility to train women's soccer. I picked up track and field during COVID when we lost our assistants. So I've like never met our track kids really. Like I've seen them in the room, but I haven't like shaken everybody's hand. Here it's nice because I don't have to worry about anything programming wise. Like I'm not going to have to worry about two teams being in here. I mean, we're training in groups of 15 right now just because of some space restrictions um, like we have a great weight room. It's just not huge. So 30 guys in here, like our social distance shuts down and, uh, we've just decided that it's precautionary measure to just have 15 guys in here at a time. And so I don't have to worry about anything, but when you go over to the other facility, I mean, I would say, I wouldn't say I have to worry about a lot, but I, I ended up buying some bands that I have in like a duffel bag that I bring with me because, I don't know if Marcus or if Keith or if whoever has something on their program for their team that's in the room at the same time, you know, you sort of have to grab stuff on the fly and, and be able to get the program done and have it not completely drop a bomb on what's going on. You know, as I started getting a little more comfortable, I'd just reach out to Keith or Marcus and be like, Hey, here's what we got going on this phase. Like, is that going to be a problem? Usually you get a no, um, but at Colorado college, it was like kind of easy because you knew who was going to be in the room all the time. And you could kind of have them do different things to make the logistics work. So, I mean, currently I don't have to worry about a whole lot, I guess, which is nice. You know, our system at Colorado college was pretty efficient. You know, I spent seven years there, so we weren't really revamping the program every year. We were probably making little tweaks here, little tweaks there, figure out, you know, better ways to get things done. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, our, our space here is great. Like we have turf, we have four Kaisers. So at, at CC, yeah, we had turf, but it was different. You had to go out to the field 
if there were teams practicing, you had to figure out a way to get onto the field. And, and so here it's like, we can push sleds every day of the week if we wanted to, cause we don't have to worry about anything. So, um, I mean, life was good there, but life's good here too, you know? So. And at Colorado college, were you the first strength conditioning coach that was ever at that college? Yeah. So they, I mean, with the remodel of that building, they did like $27 million worth of renovations. And I was kind of the inside hire more or less. And, um, they'd contracted some stuff out with the NSCA, which is probably why I got the job. Cause I worked with ice hockey and women's soccer before I finally like transitioned to actually working on campus. So they contract some strength and conditioning stuff, but there was never a, a, a full-time strength and conditioning coach. Right. And that's definitely one of the reasons why I initially reached out to you a few years ago when you're at Colorado college, cause I knew you were the first one there. And, and I was the first full-time strength coach at my university. So I knew we were going through some similar challenges and uh, there are some listeners right now that might find themselves as their first full-time strength coach at their school. Could you tell those coaches a little bit about some of the, the challenges you saw and also some advice that you might have being the first full-time strength coach at your, your university? For sure. You know, I, I think if, I sort of stole this from Pat Ivy. Like when I first got to Colorado college, my big objective was getting coaches on board. So I started, and some of these coaches may bat an eye at this, but we started like a lunch club. Like we would lunch every day at 1130 and eat lunch and just like get to know each other. And that was huge. So like the tennis coach, the men's lacrosse coach, our uh, facilities guy, you know, like we, we kind of started this crew and that it just grew, you know, I, we would get the men's soccer coach involved, the women's soccer coach, like all these coaches would, would come and like break bread. Like I, I forget where Pat Ivy said that, but Pat Ivy was like, you know, the best way to get to know people is to like break bread with them. And I was like, all right, like, I don't know these people, like, how are we going to get this to work? So, I mean, first things first, getting the coaches on board. Cause if they're not, it, it doesn't help your cause you know, and, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. I had really good relationships with some coaches. I would say I had good relationships with all coaches, but some of them were better than others. And I think that was due to how much time I spent in their offices, you know, and whether that was, they got into the office a little later. So I'd always miss them or, or whatever, you know, I think I, I could have spread my wings a little bit more and, and been better in certain offices to get coaches to really like, drink the Kool-Aid, but in situations where things weren't as good with coaches, like they were really good with the kids. You know, I think once kids got into this space and like realized what we were doing and, and how the environment felt, they sort of just ran with it. You know, I think, I mean, I've been very fortunate to work with like a lot of solid kids. Lowell has a bunch of solid kids Colorado college had a bunch of solid kids, you know, and it makes, it makes things easier, you know, when kids are receptive to you as a person and they understand that you care about them, things just kind of take off, you know, but, but I would say if you're, if you're a new strength coach taking over being the first one, like worry about the kids second, worry about the coaches first, you know, cause they'll be the ones that 
that go to bat for you. And, you know, I know coach Miguez, you and I were talking before you recorded where like, that's what he's done at Walker down in Louisiana. Like the, the coaches love him and the, with coaches loving him, the kids jump on. And I mean, once you get in the room with coach Miguez, like it's game over, you know? So I think that's the key, you know, getting, getting coaches to drink the Kool-Aid and then the coaches will get the kids in the room and then you just knock it out of the park. Cause that's what you're supposed to do, I guess. No, yeah, I I definitely took that advice as well. You know, the more you have the the head coaches, I guess, blessing, and and the more you guys are on the same page, the easier your life gets, and they'll tend to have your back when it comes to issues or things that you want to implement with. Oh, with absolutely, the team. And I mean, don't get me wrong; like we tested the waters. Like we we had a we had a rule that if you were late, you just got sent home. So if your lift was at three 30 and it was three 31, like, sorry. So, I mean, there were times where kids were late because of practice and we just sent them home and it's, and, and we didn't do that until much later in my career there. Cause you don't do that your first couple years. Cause then you just build enemies. But I mean, one year we sat there and we were like, we're going to send kids home. Like if, if they're late because of practice, we will throw a shot across the bow and send them to see what happens after the fact Got to a couple coaches. And I mean, it got better over the years, you know, but that's, I mean, I'm a pretty confrontational dude and that's like a confrontational thing to do. <laughs> if, if you're ready to handle the repercussions of that, I suggest it, but hindsight, I, I probably should have just bit my lip and let them train. But the kids, the kids know it, right? Like it goes long and they're running into the weight room. <gasps> we're so sorry. We're late. <laughs> you know? So. Now, I think that's great advice. Now with the way COVID has impacted our profession, there are a lot of coaches on the collegiate or the team level that find themselves going to the private sector and I know you did a brief stint at Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning right before you went to UMass Lowell. Could you talk to us a little bit about how that experience was? Because I know there's somewhat of a stigma when it, a collegiate or team coach goes to the private sector and what you saw and what you expected. And then also what you learned from there, because I know there's a lot of great takeaways from your time at Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning. I mean, I was so fortunate that Mike let me come hang out for a summer. You know, I, I said to my wife, I was like, cause I resigned to Colorado college, moved to new England, no job. So when I was coming out here, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine who works for Kelly Starrett. He like runs his website. And, uh, I said, Hey man, like, do you, does Kelly know anybody like in the CrossFit world that can like, let me help out at their gym? Like I have nothing right now. And they were like sitting at a table and Kelly Starrett says to him, like, Hey, does he know Mike Boyle? And I'm like, I don't know Mike Boyle. I know of Mike Boyle. And literally, I'm not even kidding. Happenstance. I had sent Mike a message on Twitter that was like, Hey Mike, my name's Kevin Cronin. I'm moving to new England. Would love to come by and check out the facility. Like other, nothing other than that. He was like, yeah, man, let me know when you're in town. Like, we'll, we'll set you up. So, one thing led to another. He Kelly reached out to him and I'd already like sent him my resume just as like a, Hey, this is me. Like it wasn't asking for a job. And then 
we started talking about like my opportunities and if I had any, and Mike's like, you can come be a part-time assistant for us. And I said to my wife, I was like, honestly, I don't care what pops up between June and like, let me go work for Mike Boyle. She was like, fine, fine, go whatever. So I, uh, I mean, I had four groups a day probably. And Mike calls it the factory. Like you have a group every like eight minutes. So kids come in, you take them through a foam roll routine. We do some floor based stretching, do some activation type stuff. And you got eight minutes and then you got to get out of that space because there's a group like right behind you. So I'm sitting there like I just ran the same warm up for like seven years of my life. And here I am like having to learn Mike Boyle's warm up. So I, I mean, early on, like you're a little stressed out, right? Cause if you're, I think I had this 630 group. So if you mess up the 630 group, it messes everything up behind it. Oh, I mean, I, I think Mike, Mike runs his facility in the summertime, at least like the rest of us run our facilities. You know what I mean? Like if, you have groups that come in at three 30 of groups that come in at four 30, whatever your schedule is like in the summertime, Mike's situation is very, it's got like a collegiate vibe to it. Granted the groups are much smaller so they can pull it off. The facility's huge. So, I mean, there wasn't much of a difference. You know, I, I sort of just like ran Mike's program all summer. Um, I mean, if you're going to work in the private sector and you want to like, start your own business. I think you should realize how hard it is. Like it, it, it is so hard. Like I I've paid a little bit of attention to what they got going on just because of COVID, but like they've stayed open, they've adapted, like they have some space outside that's kind of allowed them to have socially distant pods. So like you come in, you do your workout, but you only stay in this like certain area. And you know, I, I think for me, it's, there was just so much less stress. <laughs> Sounds bad, but like there's no wins and losses. There's no, there's no coaches running around after a loss. Like kids aren't getting hurt, you know, like the stress level was just so low, you know? So, I, I mean, I think if you find yourself getting frustrated with injuries or coaches, not, abiding by a schedule or just like the little things that eat away at you go to the private sector, you know, like college strength conditioning isn't for everybody. Neither is the private sector, you know? So I think if there are things that eat you alive at the college setting or in the college setting, spend two months at a private sector facility doing part-time work and see if you have lower levels of stress. Like I know you, you know what it's like in the summertime? Like things are not stressful in the summertime. Come in and train. You don't have to worry about anything other than kids training. Coaches aren't yelling at them. They're not yelling at you, you know? So I, I would say the, the big the big thing was like stress level. Like it was fun, you know? West Side Against the World came out while I was at Boyle. So he and I like talked about it. Like Mike's at the facility every day, which I have a massive amount of respect for. He comes in, he trains his groups, you know, like he's there, which, I mean, that guy's earned the right to sit on his couch and drink beer if he wants to, but he, he's there, like answers questions. Like it's, I mean, it was impressive. Like got a great group of, 
great group of coaches that are there. Kevin Carr, Steve Bigelow, Vinny, you know, like they, they got a great group. So, I mean, I think I had like a weird experience cause he's the most well-known people in the world. So, I mean, I don't know if I can call that like a, tr- a true private sector experience, but oh, I wouldn't change that for the world. Like I'm thankful my wife let me do it, you know, as a 34 year old, college strength coach who's got whatever 12 years of experience under his belt going and being an assistant and like helping run a facility with kids that are like 24. I spent most of the summer like kids didn't know who I was, which was great. I'm like, I'm glad you don't know who I am. We'll be right back. The GymWire Power Tool is the gold standard for measuring performance and implementing velocity-based training. The question isn't what does GymWire do, but what it doesn't do. You can perform velocity zones, jump testing, athlete profiling, predictive 1RM analysis, live leaderboards, asymmetry resting, fatigue monitoring, and so much more. Because of the versatility the system offers, coaches can rest assured they're getting the real value for their money. They are the gold standard for velocity-based training with an interface that is easy to follow and a team at GymAware that are always top-notch with their customers. For more information, head to the website gymaware.com or contact the GymAware team directly. (laughs) Now, I, I definitely think that's good that you're able to take you know, some good experience and, and knowledge out of MBSC. Cause when you think of strength conditioning, no matter what level you're at, you know, Mike Boyle is definitely a name that will come up every single time. And then I think that was great that you're able to get that experience and take that with you. Now, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to the younger strength coach, you know, that strength coach that's just getting off of their internship or just getting done with their first GA and they're in the thick of, of what we do. Maybe the unpaid side of things, or maybe just even the the side of things where you're just doing a lot of the, the, the grinding and a lot of the hard work. I mean, I'm going to use a kid named Dylan Ward as an example. Uh, He was a soccer player for us at Colorado college lasted two years. I do believe he was like a backup goalie, but this kid, like a unit, absolute unit, like strongest kid in the building. No questions asked pound for pound. Didn't matter. Like he was stronger than anybody like hockey player unit. Like he was the strongest kid on campus and two years as a, like a backup goalie. And then realized that he wanted to go into strength and conditioning, like was a CrossFit level one. And so I think it was the summer going into his junior year of college. He did an internship at uh, Northwestern. Did an internship at Northwestern, came back, helped us out pretty much full time. And then between uh, junior and senior, did an internship at UVM, University of Vermont. Under Justin Smith came back, helped us out his senior year. And then we sort of started talking like, hey, what? Like, what's the deal? Like, where do you want to go? You want to be a GA? And I've always said to kids, like, if, if you want to be in college strength and conditioning, you should work power five football at some point. He had a couple of connections from Vermont at UCLA. So he went out to UCLA to 
to be an intern with the football program. And he realized in that time, just all of the things that happened, whether it was stress of like not winning a lot of games or whatever it may be, like he just realized it wasn't for him. He was like, I cannot handle, and he said this to me on the phone, I cannot handle the lack of like knowing where I'm in six months, right? Like football season starts in August. Like you can have a job in January. Like, I don't know. Right. So he loves, loves strength conditioning, like loves it. And went out there and was like, man, this is not for me. And now I, I don't, what do you, you got a real job, I guess. So I, mean, I think that situation for me, is one that I haven't really been able to tell because like this is the first podcast I've been on in a while. So I appreciate it. But he is a kid. And if you talk to anybody that knows Dylan Ward, like they will tell you the kid loves, he loves to train. He loves everything about training. Like he, I said, he is going to be a special person in the industry and worked college football for like a, like a summer. And then through that season and was like, man, this is not for me. So, I mean, I, I think advice being like, go through every experience you can test the waters and, and just see if it's what you want to do. You know, I, I think it's, I've been extremely fortunate. Like the fact that I have the job that I have now, you know, like this is the job. Like I, I said to Devin McConnell years ago, cause my wife's from Vermont. It was like, you ever leave, dude? Like, I want your job. Like I straight up told him, like, if you ever leave, like I want to take your job. And he, he left to take a job with the New Jersey devils. And here I am, you know? So I've been extremely fortunate, like extremely fortunate, but tested the waters. You know what I mean? Like I refinanced a car to go work for Donnie Mabe at the university of Texas, like work with Jeff Madden and, uh, the Ackerman is with the Atlanta Falcons. Like I wouldn't change any of it, but I mean, you got to go through it to see if it's something that you really, really want to do, you know? So I, I don't know if that's advice, but I, I would, I mean, bottom advice is if you want to be in college strength conditioning, like test the waters with college football. Cause that is like, or college basketball, like test it with the side of our industry. That is like six to six for six months out of the year, you get your two weeks for whatever, and then you're back at it, you know? So. Yeah. I, I like that advice. You know, I don't like to romanticize what we do and it's it's really cool to wear our gear and be on the side of the court or on the side of the rink or or the field but it actually does take a, a lot of hard work and you don't really see that side of the things on game day the the long hours we put through throughout the week to get these athletes ready and i i mean i would even like kind of piggyback off nick demarco a little bit like we also don't need to be guarding our desks right like you and I shouldn't be talking about like, yeah, I got here at five 30. What time did you get here? You know what I'm saying? Like I, if I don't have anything to do, I'm going home. Granted, I have a 40 minute commute now. Cause I live in Boston and work in Lowell, but like, you know, catch me sitting behind my desk doing nothing. Like if I have nothing to do, I'm going home. I will wave at our coaches and say, Hey, I will see you tomorrow. Where at Colorado college, like I might not have done that. You know, like it, it was, I had a little bit more on my plate, not going to lie, but you know, I, I think there are some things that is an industry, like we need to fix, 
you know, like don't guard your desk. Like if you don't have anything to do, go home, you know, like proud of you for getting up at four 30 in the morning. Congrats. But I mean, my alarm goes off at five o'clock in the morning. Cause I have a 40 minute commute. If I had if I a 10 minute commute, like my alarm's not going off at 5am, you know, I think like the badge of honor that is 14 hour work days and getting up at 4am and you know, like I, I've grown out of that, I think, you know, but no, I, I think that's great advice. Yeah, no, that, that's great. And I think it's important to know. And I think one thing I have to remind myself, there's always going to be work to do. Like you staying late working that much doesn't, it's not going to do anything because you're still going to have something important to do the very next day. So it's just always good to take it where you can and then go home and you know, be normal. Yeah. I mean, I would say one thing that put a huge strain on my relationship with my wife when I was at Colorado college, I mean, we had 350 athletes and I was like the hub for them. Like if, if they worked out in our facility, like they had to schedule with me, whatever. And division three kids that are doing things voluntarily. I mean, your big objective is getting them in the door. So if you need to have them in at one 30 or at two 30 or whatever, you just send a lot of emails and at Lowell, with it being a division one institution across the board, I don't have to deal with any of that, you know? So I think, is that one of the positives of being a division one school? Sure. Cause coaches and you, you schedule, and then it just goes from there. Like tomorrow we have a, a lift at 8am and our guys will be here. Like, I don't need to worry about some kid telling me that they can't make it because of whatever it's going to be here. So I think, um, I mean, I don't know how you get boundaries with division three. And like, I'm not exactly sure how things roll with you guys at the division two level, but I mean, that stuff put a huge strain on my relationship, like having to send text messages or emails at 7.30 at night to make sure that kids are getting what they need so that at the end of the year, when they fill out their, hey, how was your experience survey? They don't say, oh, the strength coach ignores me. So I know that was sort of a tangent, but. No, I, I think that's a great point. And with your experience at the NSCA and being at D3 and D1 and working a little bit in the private sector there, what are you seeing are some trends in our industry now? I know you have a really good pulse on our industry and how things are going. And what do you think, you know, with COVID taking something that's been relatively stable and completely flipped everything on its head, what are some trends that you're seeing in our industry today? I mean, I love Twitter first off, but I spent so much time on social media during COVID, like trying to learn things, right? Like that's following Adam Virgil and like checking out his infographics, like whatever. That's like the hub of where I sort of like navigate for continuing ed stuff. But it's like sort of frustrating that it, this it's like 20, it's almost 2021. Right. And we're like still arguing about stuff like bilateral versus unilateral. Do you sprint? Do you not sprint? You know? And, and I think for me, like we all know that programs work. If kids put in the effort programs work, whether you sprint or don't sprint, whether you use Tendo units or not, like things will work if your kids put in an effort. But I think 
and I haven't been around a lot of interns recently. Like I'll be the first to admit that, like didn't have an intern at all last year, had some fellows working with us this year, but based on COVID, like some things got a little weird. And so we sort of just cut it off. So I'm a little out of touch with like where the youth of the industry is at, but I think kids that can't build connections with people, that's the problem. It doesn't matter if you front squat or rear foot elevated split squat. Like if you can't build a connection to a kid and get that kid to do what you want, it doesn't matter. Like none of it matters. If you're a side barbell guy or if you're a whatever, like throw it out the window. Like if people don't buy into you as a person, that the program, it doesn't matter, right? Like back to Mike Boyle. Kids walk into that building because they believe in the Mike Boyle system, right? The pro, the pro athletes that walk through that door, which is, there's a lot of them. They buy into, to the system and they buy into the people that are a part of the system. It's not necessarily like, Oh yeah. Like I'm going to boils because we don't back squat heavy, right? Like that's not why they go there. They go there because it's a place that they trust to get them ready for their seasons. And it's because of the people that work there. Yeah. The program a little bit, but like, it's mainly because of the people that work there. Like people trust Mike cause he's been doing it for whatever, 40 years. So I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of kids that have a lot of access to a lot of information that you and I didn't have access to when we were their age. Like this podcast wasn't a thing when I was in grad school or when you were in grad school read your own research. You had to call people. You had to do all these things on your own and not to sound like a grumpy old man, but like now it's at your fingertips, right? You can, you can jump on Twitter and throw shade at anybody. Like kids are throwing shade at Babalejo. It's like Babalejo has been doing this for a very long time and has been extremely successful. Like what makes you think you can throw shade at Babalejo? Do you know them? No, but that shouldn't give you the right to throw shade at him. You know, so I, I think for me, it's it's kids that have access to a lot of information that are potentially not capable of connecting with people. And that's me just making a blanket statement. Right. Like I don't know these kids, but I have found that a lot of kids don't build great connections with athletes. And it's like, keep keep your mouth shut. Oh, like if you got an opinion about what I'm doing at Lowell, call me. Don't, don't blast me on Twitter, pick up the phone, send me an email. Like I would never, I would never try to throw shade at other coaches based on what they're doing without like trying to get a little info about what's actually happening there. Right. Like if, if I was going to throw shade at you, I'd call somebody that I know that knows you and be like, yo, like what goes on at MSU Denver? And then tell me, and then I'd be like, Oh, okay, cool. Like now I understand the context of, whatever exercise I'm potentially going to throw shade at. So I just, I don't know. It can be a very negative space to be honest, you know, but. No, I think that's good. And it'll give you a good chance to network. I know if you were to call a coach out of the blue and ask them, Hey, I saw something and I wanted to ask you about it and, and see what you're coming from. I'm pretty sure most coaches would at least, you know, talk with you and, 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 just give you their opinion on how things are going and what, what they're trying to accomplish there. I'm pretty sure very few of them will tell you to kick rocks and, and completely ignore you. I mean, I, I will say this. I've, 
I've reached out to a lot of people and have had a lot of people not reach back out. Like you send a message asking about something, you just get crickets. But Andrea Hootie, who is probably one of the more recognized dominant forces in our industry, like responds to anything. Like she is the best, you know? And, and to me, it's like, it's people like that that are super duper successful and super willing to share. That's why she's special, you know, like uh, not to bring up Nick DeMarco again, but like, I don't know Nick from Adam and I sent him a random message and he responded and we like chummed it up about random stuff. Like none of us are too busy to just throw crickets at you. And so I think when you're throwing shade at people on social media, like people shouldn't be so busy that they're not going to respond to you. Like it's not hard to find email addresses, look them up, go to the website at whatever school they work at, get an email address, send them an email instead of throwing like a backhanded shady comment on Twitter. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's immature, maybe it's whatever, but I just think as an industry, like we, we could really tighten the buttons up and and be a little more understanding of everybody's situation and not blast them for something that's like sort of splitting hairs, you know? No, definitely. I, I think that's great. And it could just be that coach that you saw is just trying to create buy-in on that team or find out something that works for their athletes. And like you said earlier, all things work if the, if the athlete buys into it and you know, what works for you at UMass Lowell might not be the same thing that works for me at MSU Denver. I mean, just to piggyback off that a little bit, like I knew when I got here, like at Colorado College, we didn't do a lot of unilateral work in season because it made our guys super sore. So we didn't do it. When I got here, I knew that they did a lot of unilateral work and I knew that we could put it in the program and it wouldn't make them sore because they did a lot of it before I got here. Right. It's like, I knew what Devin McConnell was kind of up to because he did post quite a bit to social media. So like, I was fortunate. You get like a little bit of a peek in and you're like, okay, hey, I can do this stuff to like sort of already create some buy-in because like what we're doing is similar to what the guy did before me, you know? So that, I mean, it helped, you know? You don't just come in and drop a bomb on it and say, hey, this is how we're going to do it. You take a little bit of the guy, and I was fortunate that I knew a little bit more than than most might, but, you know, we took a little bit of everything and kind of put it into a program that I felt was going to get us ready for the year. And, um, you know, guys bought in pretty quick, which was nice, but. No, definitely. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I know when I first got to MSU Denver, I, I was a lot younger and I was definitely full of fire and, and conviction. And I was definitely my way or the highway and I, I know everything. And then I reached out to a coach named Brandon Marcello and he was one of the co-founders of Exos and he was a strength coach at Stanford at the time. And I just reached out tell you, I mean, talk about trying to get a hold of somebody out of the blue, but I DM'd coach Marcello on Twitter and he actually got back to me and said, shoot me an email and we'll find a time to talk. And, I gave him a call at a time he scheduled while he was about to board an airplane to present at one of the national conferences. And, you know, he, he said, it's not about, you know, shock and awe and being the big 
bad dude in in the weight room and in your way or the highway. It's it's about taking what works there, finding out what works for your athletes and finding out a way to, you know, grow and assimilate your culture of, with the weight room and, and with the teams that you have around you. So that definitely lines up with what we're talking about. And now if you could pick up the phone and call Kevin Cronin from five years ago, what would you tell him? I tell him to relax hundred percent. Like, I mean, I think we were fortunate that like we learned a lot at Colorado college, but like, I mean, there are some situations with kids that I look back on that. And like, if I did what I did then now, like you probably find yourself in the administrator's office and they're like, yo, you can't talk to kids like that, you know? So I think, I think I really had to kind of, I did evolve there. Like, I mean, when you spend a lot of time at a place and you've been there for four years or whatever, this is kind of tell the freshman, like, yo, behave yourself. Cause if you don't, you know what I mean? So like, as I progressed through my time there, I was capable of relaxing a little, but I mean, I think I should have relaxed more, you know? Mm, definitely. Yeah. That's a, uh, you know, great advice. Relax, take a breath and keep working on, on the culture and, and the winning, you know, programs that you've been working on there. Now, what's next for coach Cronin? What's something you got coming up looking, you're looking forward to in this next year? You know, to be honest, I'm a little, I like, I've been pretty inactive on there. Like when I was in Colorado, I was fortunate that Scott Caulfield kind of hooked me up with a lot of continuing education, like whether it was going to NSCA conferences or catching the stuff that was in town. And I think I've sort of, and hopefully this doesn't sound bad, built a following from just like tweeting from conferences. I haven't been at any conferences, you know? So, I mean, I I would say I'm pretty inactive on there. You know, I think our YouTube kind of, I'll throw some like new videos up just for, we, we jumped on team builder during COVID. So um, there are certain videos on YouTube that I've had to throw on just so we have them for our library. Now that we're like using team builder kind of full time um, just to minimize kids touching pens and whatnot. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's anything coming up to be, to be honest. <laughs> I think it makes me feel like I should get a little more active, but I try man like I was saying it it sometimes gets a little too negative for me and you know I've never walked in your shoes and you've never walked in mine so I I try to try to sit back and just think about that before I say anything so I sort of try to stay out of it as much as I can but um but yeah no I think pretty on pretty uneventful actually (laughs) not definitely I think that's great you're you know laying low and, and focusing on building your program and, and your teams. And you got that weight room up there. So I think, I think it's a very important thing. Now, it, what's the best way our listeners could reach out to you or find out what you got going on up there? UMass Lowell. Like I said, I'm on, I'm on Twitter quite a bit. I think my handles at K J C R O N I K J on Twitter. And then my email is Kevin underscore Cronin at UML.edu. Uh, not on Facebook. I deleted Facebook. Um, call it the election, call it whatever. Like, I mean, it was just like a bad space. I try to be political. I'm just saying like, it was just a bad space. So I deleted Facebook. Uh, I don't usually use my Instagram for work type stuff. Sort of 
a personal space for me. So Twitter is usually the best place. And, uh, I'm pretty nasty with my email. Like I'm good at getting back to people. If you sent me an email and I haven't gotten back to you, I apologize. Uh, but no, yeah. Email, uh, I guess we could call zooms now, but I think zooms would probably happen after an email. So yeah, no doubt. Now I want to say thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I have a lot of respect for you. I've always had a lot of respect for you and I'm excited to see what you got going on up there. And I knew how to get you on the podcast and get your insight and, uh, from your experience and definitely get something that we could share to a whole bunch of other coaches that are, that might be curious or interested in what you have going on at UMass Lowell. No, man, dude, I think big, big props to you. I think when you and I were lecturing at South Dakota school, of the mines, you were like talking about the internship program. That's now huge. So I think congrats, man. Like it's, it's cool to see you guys crushing it and evolving and, uh, no, man, it's it's cool to see, man. So nice work. No, definitely. Thanks for, for, again for being on here, and hopefully we'll be catching up here soon. And maybe when uh, things turn around and we can get out and about, out to, you know, we can take me and my staff and go out and do uh, a little visit out there to the East Coast. Yeah, come on. I mean, it's like a, not to – I think Colorado is sort of the mecca, right? Colorado has got a lot. Denver's got a lot. But New England's wild. Like – are so many places that are like two hours from Boston. I mean, like if you guys are going to do it, like you should make a, a week because you, you can catch all kinds of people out here. No, definitely. I'll uh, look forward to that and I'll have to start selling a couple more t-shirts and hopefully get us all plane tickets to get us all out there. <laughs> I mean, the gear, the gear looks fresh now though. Yeah. And, uh, Hey, I'm just giving the kids what they want. Nice job. No, no, I'm just giving the kids what they want. (laughs) But uh, no, thank you, Coach. I really appreciate you being on, and and we'll talk soon. Yeah, man, appreciate it. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Buley. Coach Buley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed working and learning and talking to other people and and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And and, uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. This episode is brought to you by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. After dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, the newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings the same trust and quality at a great price. 
They've worked hard to put convenient nutritional supplement options in the hands of your athletes. Because of the increased demands, ON now offers their third-party tested NSF certified gold standard whey protein powder in 10 pound bags exclusively for their athletics partners. Owen even released ready-to-drink cartons of their gold standard whey protein shakes for your athletes and coaches that are on the go. Colleges and universities across the country have partnered with ON to give their athletes the highest quality nutritional supplements and ON continues to deliver. They provide flexibility and affordability for all their partners. If you'd like to learn more about their expanding line of supplement products or if you're interested in becoming a partner, contact ON's Rachel Kravitz on Instagram at on underscore athletics underscore west or email rkravitz at glambia.com. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.